following is a production of Word Alive Creative Arts. Welcome to the podcast of Word Alive International Outreach in Oxford, Alabama, an apostolic center for transformation and freedom. We pray today that you will be blessed and strengthened by this powerful message. I've been studying the topic I'm going to jump in with you today for six years, and I've never talked about it because I never felt like we, I, or we were at a place that I was supposed to start releasing this. And it's a subject I'm going to talk to you the next few weeks called the ascended life. The ascended life. See, many people talk about the death and resurrection of Jesus, but I seldom hear people talk about his ascension. Powerful things happened in the ascension. It says our high priest passed through the heavens for us. Therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy and help in time of need. The veil was rent in two when he went up. On and on and on and on it goes. And so Jesus Christ's death, Romans 6 says, when he died, we died. Y'all believe that, right? That's what baptism is. When he rose up, we got up. Well, I got good news. When he ascended, you ascended. So I'm going to talk to you the next few weeks. We're going to talk about the secret of the ascended life. What's that mean? This is the Ephesians 2, 6. The secret, the revelation that you are already seated with Christ in heavenly places. We're going to talk about the perception of the ascended life. This is Philippians 3.20. It says, we are citizens of heaven, therefore we see as God sees. We're going to talk about the impartation of the ascended life, which is John 1.17. Behold, every good and perfect gift comes from where? Above the Father of lights with whom there's no variables nor shadow of turning. And we're going to talk about the application of the ascended life, which is the James 3.17 that says this wisdom's not earthly. This wisdom actually comes from above. It's time for us to start living above, not beneath. It's time for preachers to start preaching to us from above, not from beneath. It's a whole different concept and the mentality. So let's jump into it in this next two and a half hours I have with you. Philippians 3. <laughs> Philippians 3, 12 through 14, amplified. Y'all ready? Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, I'm forgetting those things that are behind and I'm reaching forward to those things that are ahead and I'm pressing toward the goal for the prize of the what upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That word apprehended means seized, lay hold of. The Lord Jesus came and laid hold of you. When you got saved, you didn't find Jesus. Jesus has never been lost. Jesus came for one reason, to lay hold of you, apprehend you for a higher purpose. Salvation is about taking us from a lower place to a higher place. And it says, Paul the apostle realized this and he says, so what I do is, I know I've not yet attained it, 
Attained what Christ has paid for me to have, but here's what I do. I'm forgetting those things that are behind, and I'm reaching forward to that which is ahead. It's time to forget your past. It's time to forget the mistakes. It's time to forget what you used to live like. It's time to forget old mindsets. It's time to forget what church used to be like. It's time to forget who hurt you in church. It's time to forget what people have done to us or or have offended us or affected us. It's time to let go of the past and lay hold of the future. And I believe God sent an army of people in this season to this place because you're a people who are ready to let go of the past and move into the future and lay hold of what God's given you. You see, I'm convinced and persuaded. It says actually, I don't have this scripture, but it says verse 15, let those that are mature have this mindset. See, I believe there's a people in the body of Christ, we've seen what man can do, and we've seen what we can do, and it's okay, but we want to see what God can do. What can God do with me as a yielded vessel? What can God do with you as a yielded vessel to him? What can God do with our church? You see, I'm convinced we're, I'm convinced we're somewhere around Joshua 1-2 that says something like this. Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, Joshua, arise. Arise. You and all these people, and go into the land that I've called you to walk in. Go into this land of promises, people of Israel. And I'm convinced that's where we're at. I'm convinced that, that this is a people, this is an overcoming company, a triumphant reserve. And a a Joel's victorious army that could run through a troop and jump over a wall. This is that, the bride, some call it the remnant, some call it the triumphant reserve. There is a people within the body of Christ who aren't satisfied with normal Christianity. And so I just go ahead to make an announcement to you today that I believe our church is called. I've always wondered, who are we called to because we love everybody? We really do. But I believe we're called to be part of that uh, mandate from heaven that's raising up that remnant in the body of Christ who are saying we're not satisfied just going to church and living our life normal. We're saying if it's available to us, we want to lay hold of what we've been laid hold for and we want to walk in a big anointing around here. So touch three people. Say, I'm one of those. Tell them I'm one of those. See, Proverbs 15, 24 says, the way of life winds upward for the wise that he may turn from hell beneath. The the way of life winds upward for the wise that he may turn from hell beneath. See, there's a realm above that God has given us access to that allows us to overcome what's beneath. And actually, born again is so misunderstood because we think that means we're saved from sin and we're going to heaven. Yes, that's part of it. But that is such a small, small part of it. We're not just safe from sin to go to heaven. We're safe from sin so we can bring heaven to earth. That's actually, that's actually the mandate. And actually the translation, John 3, 5 through 7, says it like this. Jesus replied, I'll tell you the truth. Y'all remember this story? Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. I call him Nick at night. And he came to Jesus at night and he said, you know, how do I enter the kingdom? Jesus said, you must be born again. 
He goes, how does that happen? How can I enter my mother's womb and be born again? Jesus said, you gotta be born by the water and the spirit. And actually the translation born again, it's not that a word again, is, is, a, is a Greek word that means up, above. So actually what he was saying to Nick at night was if you wanna see the kingdom or you wanna be born, born again, you have to be born from above. Not from hell beneath, but from heaven above. I tell you, unless you're born from above, you can't see the kingdom. Being born again or born from above is not just having sin saved, it's having your eyes and ears open so you understand there's another realm that you and I can live in. Why did Jesus heal so many deaf ears and blind eyes? It was prophetic. He said, actually, in the gospel, if you ever get to where you can see and hear, I can convert you and heal you. So being born again, being born from above is a people who've actually been born again so that they can see spiritual things and discern what they are. I am persuaded most churches, over half at least of the people are convinced, but not converted. I mean convinced, yes, Jesus is the way, yes, convinced that you know, it's a good idea to follow Jesus, and yes, maybe convinced that Jesus is, is the Son of God, but not converted. Because see, once conversion happens, your eyes open, your ears open, and you see and hear things other people don't see and hear. And you start living from, actually, you're above, your above experience should have happened when you were born again. You started living from above. Far above principalities and powers. Look at Ephesians 4. Therefore, he says, Christ, when he ascended, somebody shout ascended. On high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But that he first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above. Somebody shout far above. Far above all the heavens that he might fulfill all things. The ascension was so powerful because it's when we got back on top. <laughs> Repent means go back up. Pent means high. Re again. Go up again. The ascension is so powerful when we realize that Jesus led a triumphant march out of hell. When he, by the way, Jesus didn't just float up on a cloud. It says in the Psalms that he ascended in a triumphant march and led captivity captive. He walked out of hell with everybody that was in hell. Because it says he has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And he marched them out victoriously. And the devil and demons and principalities had to march with him. But he left them in the second heaven. And he slid on up into the third heaven. And he sat down far above all principalities and powers in Christ. Amen. Touch three people say, Jesus, sit down. Jesus. This place where he's seated is awesome. And he's wanting us to sit there with him. Amen. Ephesians 1 and 18, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, May give you, touch your neighbor and say, he's preaching to you this morning. Give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. 
Touch somebody else. Say, you just got to get a revelation. Tell them, you just got to get a revelation. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward you who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places far above. Somebody shout far above. Far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all things in all. Christ Jesus is far above principalities and powers. You need to jump on up there where he is and sit down with Christ Jesus far above principalities and powers. Isaiah 35 calls it the highway of holiness. Now, unfortunately, most of us have been turned off by that because preachers preached it from beneath. And they were saying if you ever got holy enough, you could get up on the highway of holiness. But in actuality, the way you get holy is to get up on the highway of holiness. But see, they preached from beneath. They didn't preach from above. If they had seen from above, they would have known Jesus has already secured that for you. But preaching from beneath, they make, they're trying to make you think you've got to get there. I'm not saying to you today that you've got to do anything to get there. I'm telling you, you're already there. You just don't realize it yet. A highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. Did you catch that? There's a place in heaven that God's called us to walk that even though me and you are a fool, if we ever get up there in our realm, even fools up there don't go astray. I'll be back later. Y'all ain't caught it yet. Let me get over here to some of us who've actually been foolish before. It says you can get up there in a place where there is no demon, no principalities, and even fools can stay on track when you're walking in a high place. Here's what it says. No, I ain't got it on the screen. This was an afterthought. No lion shall be there. Nor shall any ravenous beast be able to walk there. It shall, need, it shall not be found there. But the redeemed, they walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord return, and they come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. There's a place in God that gets you up and above all principalities and powers and demons and principalities and rulers. We're not down here trying to call them down. We're up top there under our feet. The God of all peace shall shortly crush Satan under your feet. If you've got a message for the devil, write it on the bottom of your shoe because he's got to see you lifted up in heavenly places. Bam! 
I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of living low. My African friends sing a song, higher, higher, higher. Higher, Jesus, higher. Lower, lower, lower. Lower, Satan, lower. Cast all your burden upon Jesus, for he cares for you. Cast all your burden upon Jesus, for he cares for Higher, higher, higher. Higher, Jesus, higher. Lower, lower, lower. Lower, Satan, lower. I'm talking about up above where righteousness, peace, and joy are reigning. So many of us are earthbound in Adam instead of being heavenbound in Christ. Unrighteousness, war, sorrow, sexual sins, evil habits, gluttony, drunkenness, gossip, jealousy, envy, strife, peer pressure, love of money, power struggles, inferiority, unrighteous anger, political correctness, any and all kinds of prejudice. All thoughts of retaliation or revenge, demonic activity, fear and intimidation, all that stuff, we're supposed to be above it. The head, not the tail. Above, not beneath. This is the ascended life. Now Jesus came to show us this is how to live. He came and descended to show us that he could come and live as. See, Jesus didn't go to heaven before he lived the ascended life. He lived the ascended life while on earth. So in other words, when he walked on this, when he passed a funeral, the dead boy, the mother's dead boy got up out of the casket. Why? He's from above, not. When he goes to Lazarus' tomb, Everybody's crying. Jesus shows up. Lazarus gets up. Far above. When Jesus only has two fish and three loaves, looks where? Above. Blesses it. Bam. 5,000 people get fed with 12 baskets left. He lived from above even though he was here. This is the access that he's given us. This is the fruits of the spirit versus the fruits of the flesh or the works of the flesh. See, we've been trying to get that here. You don't get that here. You got to get up here to get that. Fruits of the spirit, not works of the spirit. You can't work up the fruits of the spirit. That's only when the spirit gets a hold of you and gets up in you that his fruits. Well, that happens when you live up here. Yet we preach from beneath. We try to get everybody to get out of the flesh and get into the spirit. There's only one way out of the flesh and the spirit. Come up here. Come up here. Let the Lord show you a perspective. And then you can function in it. 
We probably don't have to talk about that, but it's Galatians 5, 22 to 24. It says, the fruit of the Spirit's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's above. Look at beneath. Works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. (laughs) Above versus beneath. But we've been trying to accomplish all this down here when the call is to come up there. Now, all you got to do is get a revelation. Touch three people and say, I'm about to give me a revelation. This is not something you do. It's something that's already been done for you in the ascension. Just like Christ died on the cross, yes, sins are forgiven. Yes, Christ got up out of the grave so you and I could walk into this life. But just as he ascended, his ascension was our ascension. And now we can live in heavenly realms. In my Father's house are many mansions. Wrong translation. In all my life, I thought I was going to get one. It's not what it says. In my Father's houses are many rooms. That's the translation. Or places. In my Father's house are many places. I have gone to prepare a place for that where I am. Come on. We, we think we got to wait till you die for that to happen. We, we use that as funerals. That ain't just for funerals. That's for right now. Up in, in, in the heavenly realm, there's many places, and one of them's got your name on it, and ain't nobody sitting there till you get up there and get in it. Touch three people say, there's a place for you. Man, God's got a place already reserved for you to function out of in heaven. In that place is your books of destiny. In that place is all that you're going to need for resources. In that place is your health and your strength and your peace. In that place is your strategy. In that place is the book that was written in Psalm 139 while you were still in your mother's belly when God wrote a book about it. That's all in your place up there waiting on you. So you just slip up there and see what's going on and operate from there. It's what Jesus did. It says he would ascend to the mountain and pray at night. And he'd come back and the next day he would make all of his decisions by what he had seen. You think he randomly chose 12 guys? He went to his place, saw them, came back and found them. Man, if we got married like that. I'm just saying. If we got up there and saw who it was supposed to be and, and, and said. If we made business decisions, if we made family decisions, future decisions, if by, I'm just saying, God's got a place for you. Here we go, ready? He did it, Ephesians 2, 5 through 6. Even when you were dead, we were dead in trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and, come on now, 
By Christ you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is all the work of the ascension. Has nothing to do with our efforts. It all takes place up there. You say, how do we live there, Kent? I am so glad you asked. <laughs> Colossians 3, 1 through 3. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is. Sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. Not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Man. Set, if you were raised with Christ, then seek those things which are above. Matthew says, ask. It shall be given to you. Seek. You shall find. Knock. The door will be opened unto you. That's talking about your place. Set your mind on things above. Set your mind. A mindset. Set your mind on things above. In other words, tune in to heaven. First thing in the morning shouldn't be Facebook, Fox, and CNN. Instagram. I don't want to see what other people are doing. I want to see what Jesus is doing. If Jesus was on Instagram, I would check it out. But I'm looking for what heaven's doing. There's an, Insta there's an Instagram in heaven that you can tap in. There's a social link going on up there. There's some FaceTime you can get a hold of in heaven. Set your things, mind on things first thing in the morning. Whoa, what's going on up here? It's like those old radios. Tune in. There you are. What's happening in heaven? Set your mind on things above, not things beneath. Now, I'm about to give you a very practical strategy. And I've been, I never preach anything as an authority. I'm a journalist, a practitioner. I'm not going to preach it to you unless I'm trying it myself and it's working. Yeah. I'm not just going to give you a theory. I want to know if, it's, if it works. So, Doug Addison, I said, hey, this door's open. Now, what does this mean for me? How, how am I going to live this? He said, it's very easy. You need to go to heaven every day. I said, well, it sounds okay, but I mean, you know. <laughs> right? Man, he blew my mind. He said, I do this every day. And he said, this is the strategy. I'm going to give it to you. He said, the first thing you do, put the next slide up. He said, first thing every morning, here's that open door. First thing every morning, you go through the Revelation 3-8 door. What door is that? That's the door that God opened that no man can shut. That's exactly what it says. It says there's a door open. 
that God opened and no man can shut it. That's our salvation. Nobody can shut that door on you. So every morning now, first thing I do, as soon as I can get somewhere I can get by myself, I say, Lord, today I'm walking through the Revelation 3-8 door. That's that door no man can shut, no devil can keep me out. Why? The blood of Jesus has torn the veil in two and I got access. So I enter in today by the blood of Jesus to that Revelation 3-8 door. God has opened a door and no man can shut it. Bam. That's the door God opened. Then I got to open a door. That's the Revelation 3.20 door. That's the one that says Jesus is knocking on the door. So we always think that's for sinners. That's not for sinners. That's for the church. He said, I'm knocking on the door of the church. If any man will open that door, I will come in and we'll eat together. So now, Lord, I open up that Revelation 3.20 door. I open that door because I realize without you, I'm wretched, miserable, naked, blind, and poor. Only the people that recognize their poverty of spirit can get the door open. Only if you realize you're of such a poverty of spirit. That scripture says you think you're rich, you think you're dressed properly, you think you can see, but I'm here to tell you, you're naked, your clothes are dirty, you're poor, and you're blind, and you're in desperate need of me. Come unto me, open the door, and buy of me white raiments, buy of me gold, try by fire, and get you some oil on your eyes so you can see. So at Revelation 3.20, I open that because I say, Lord, I am desperate for you to fellowship with me because I can't manage all this stuff down here. I got to get up here. So I hang there for just a little while. I'm not talking about hours. I'm talking about 15 minutes. I just hang around there for a little bit. And look, some cool stuff happens right around there with the Lord. And then I just say, Lord, now I go through the Revelation 4.1 door. I'm coming up. Now, I'm already there, positionally. Are you following? You're already healed. You're already saved, but you access that by faith. Lord, I come through the Revelations 4-1 door. Normally, when, boy, you get in that Revelation 4-1 door, it gets crazy. That's the elders around the throne. Singing holy, holy, holy. That's the seven spirits of God, the seven eyes of God, the Lamb of God seated. There's a lot of goings on right there. But God has granted you access to get up in that and sit down at the Lord's table and get the strategy. God's granted you the access to get up there and see what's going on so you come back down and know what to do that day. I've been there four mornings in a row. It is awesome. Four mornings in a row, I've seen four different incredible things and gave me exactly strategies for what I need to do. It's a reality. Now, I'm, like Doug told me, he said, I, I do this every day. Some days I hear, some days I see, and some days I don't, but I go every day. I open these doors and make myself available. Now, I understand this is not your normal Christianity. I don't know many churches, they talking about let's get up here on that Revelation 4-1 door. <laughs> and I'm not knocking it. But I just know most of my life I've been trying to live down here instead of up here. And up here is where things can change. See, there's a, 
There's a remnant. There's a people that are called the overcomers. This is what Revelations prophesies. It's the overcomers. And by the way, don't be afraid to read Revelations because of all that stuff that's in it. You know, they, they wrote a whole thing, Left Behind. There's so many of those you'll get left behind reading them. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 this, this ain't about left behind. Get that nonsense out of your mind. This, look, I want to stay behind if something's going on. Now, I don't want to offend anybody this morning, but I'm just out there with you this morning to the mature overcomers. I'm just going to tell you, I mean, I, I don't like that sissy gospel. We're going to get out of here. I'll fly. I don't want to go in the rapture. If, even if there's a rapture, I want to stay behind with 144,000. Let's get it on. Oh, I want the Lord to come back so I go, man, if there's going to be a war and there's going to be angels and I'm going to be able to zoom around the earth without a plane, I'm sticking around, baby. So, what's up? I'm in Japan. What's happening? Zoop. I'm in Calcutta. Zoop. I'm back in Mumford. But think about it. Most Christianity, we just suffer, suffer, barely get by, and hope one of these days in a sweet bye-bye, he's going to come and get us. What kind of Christianity is that? that is, when I read this Bible, I can't find none of that kind of business in here. I find people that got a hold of God and shook the world. cities upside down and the power of the Holy Spirit was so prevalent dead got up, blind saw lame walked, deaf heard, kingdom came people got out of bondage, people got free, poor got fed sick got nourished, sick got healed, the kingdom of God is here come on This has been a presentation of Word Alive International Outreach, 122 Allendale Road, Oxford, Alabama. Reach us by phone at 256-831-5280 or at our website, wordalive.org. This has been a production of Word Alive Creative Arts.